The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In this episode series, our goal is to fully equip ourselves with a complete historical and cultural understanding of Jesus' I Am statements as revealed within God's Word, the Bible. While the subject matter may not be completely new ground, I have an abiding faith that any time we approach God's Word with a sincere and earnest desire to learn, we cannot help and will not fail to deepen a greater understanding and appreciation of God's nature and deity from a diligent Berean study of His Word, the Bible. In the previous four episodes, we began a journey to deepen our understanding of Jesus' I Am statements found within the New Testament. It is my contention that these various statements, when viewed properly, clearly draw a straight line identifying Jesus' divinity and recognition as the God of the Bible, 
the God of all creation, the Lord of life, and the King of kings. In episode 1 and 2, we completed a search of Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, along with a survey of the Old Testament in Hebrew, as well as the Septuagint Greek regarding God's revelation to Moses, and by extension, to his people of God's character or name. In part three, we began our survey in earnest with a study of Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, and Luke chapter 22 regarding Jesus' I am statements under oath to the high priest during his trial. In part four, we looked at Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in John 4. In part five, we began to look at Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 and his walking on the water of the Sea of Galilee. In this episode, we continue to examine John chapter 6, where Jesus and his disciples have now landed at Capernaum and the crowd who he has fed is again looking for Jesus. Continuing in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 25, we read the following. Quote, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Unquote. So, essentially, while we don't know precisely where the feeding of the 5,000 took place, Many believe it was set at or just south of Gergesa, which is south of Bethsaida, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Here, some of the people who had been fed realized the next day that Jesus and his disciples were now gone from the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Apparently, there had only been one ship on the east side, and that ship was gone along with Jesus and his disciples. Further, the people who are here making this observation would have to have actually known that the disciples had left in the ship without Jesus, since they make the remark, quote, Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, unquote. As these people are looking for Jesus, who is now gone, they observe that there are boats arriving from Tiberias, which is on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. 
Once these boats arrive, some of these people board one or more of these boats and sail to Capernaum, which is also on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, to look for Jesus. They arrive at Capernaum, find Jesus there, and ask Jesus how he managed to get there, given they did not have a boat or ship to sail with. Verses 26 and 27 provide the response. Quote, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed." Unquote. Clearly, Jesus understands that these people who are following and looking for him are doing so not because Jesus is God, not because Jesus performed a miracle, but because they were hungry. Jesus had fed them, and they were going to look for another meal. Jesus then seeks to restore a proper perspective to the people. Jesus reminds them that while eating is a necessity, the reality is that being well-fed every day still leads to eventual death due to man's mortality. A proper perspective would be to applying oneself to finding a source of nourishment which will provide eternal life rather than simply a few hours of refreshment. Jesus also makes it clear that it is only He, the Son of Man, the Messiah, who is qualified by God the Father to provide nourishment to eternal life. Since Jesus is referring to laboring or working towards a source of nourishment which leads to eternal life as opposed to temporal needs, someone in the crowd asks the logical question to Jesus in verse 28, quote, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Unquote. In verse 29, Jesus responds, quote, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Unquote. In other words, if your goal is eternal life, then labor to have faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah as the one whom God has sent and ultimately, in his completed work, applied to our account by grace through faith. There is no doubt that the crowd understood that Jesus was suggesting that he was the Messiah and that they should have faith in him as such. A look at verses 30 and 31. Quote, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. 
he gave them bread from heaven to eat, unquote. Here, the crowd is saying, okay, you want us to believe that you're the Messiah, then prove it. What sign or miracle will you perform to convince us? Obviously, the crowd was unconvinced or denied that Jesus transformed five loaves and two fishes into enough food to feed 5,000 people minimally and leave 12 baskets of leftovers, which was a miracle. More likely, the crowd was in fact more focused or on yet another meal as Jesus foresaw in verses 26 and 27. Look at what the crowd says in verse 31. Quote, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat, unquote. One could make the case that this comment is either a dig or an argument from the crowd to say, Look, don't suggest that you shouldn't feed us more bread. God fed our ancestors manna, i.e. bread, in the desert for 40 years. It could further be suggested that by Jesus again, or constantly feeding this crowd bread and or fish, that this would supposedly satisfy this crowd that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. In verses 32 and 33, Jesus responds, quote, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world, unquote. Referring to his comment in verse 26 and 27, Jesus reveals to them that the manna which Moses gave their ancestors was not the real bread from heaven because the real bread is a person, he, i.e. Jesus, the Messiah, who is the only one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In verse 34, the crowd responds saying, quote, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread, unquote. Now, while it is obvious to those with discernment that Jesus was equating himself as being that bread which comes down from heaven and gives eternal life to those who rely on that bread, the crowd there were still under the impression that Jesus had some other bread which would supernaturally give them eternal life or would at least fill their stomachs. Jesus responds in verses 35 through 40, quote, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of 
him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day." Unquote. In verse 35, Jesus literally says, quote, I am, ego I may, the existing one, the one who is, the I will exist because I will exist. I exist because I exist. I am who I am. I am that I am. I will be who I will be, or I am that which exists, the bread of life." Unquote. In short, Jesus, who is God, is the only source of bread, i.e. sustenance, which can provide eternal life. Secondly, those who come to Jesus in confident faith in whom he is and what he has already accomplished as Messiah will never spiritually hunger or thirst. The problem was that those with whom Jesus was conversing saw him but did not believe. Verse 37 explains by saying that repentance and belief are both contingent on God the Father's sovereign grace in choosing and drawing those who will in fact repent and believe. Consequently, those whom the Father will choose and draw, Jesus, i.e. God the Son, will not cast them out. Not only will Jesus not cast them out, but because God the Son, Jesus, and God the Father are one in purpose and nature, verse 38, Jesus will not lose any of them, but will raise them up to eternal life, verse 39 and 40. Upon hearing this, the Jewish crowd comments back in verse 41 and 42. Quote, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Unquote. Jesus answers in verses 43 through 51. Quote, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world." Unquote. When Jesus says, quote, I will raise him up at the last day, unquote, this is rock-solid indication that Jesus is saying that he is God. The reason is that Orthodox Jews would pray three times a day in what is referred to as the Amidah prayer, giving praise and thanksgiving to Yahweh as the resurrector of the dead. Combine this with Jesus saying, quote, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, unquote. What mortal human can any other human have faith in, and as a result that human will give you eternal life? Combine this with the third instance in John chapter 6, where here in verse 48 Jesus says, quote, I am, ego I may, that bread of life, unquote. Once again, quote, I am, the existing one, the one who is, that I will exist because I will exist. I exist because I exist. I am who I am. I am that I am. I will be who I will be, or I am that which exists, the bread of life, unquote. In verse 51, the same thing is repeated a fourth time. Quote, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Unquote. Having combined these four instances of Jesus' identifying himself as the I am, ego I may, the Yahweh, the very and eternal God of the burning bush, Jesus also connects the divinely created dots between the type and shadow of the manna in the wilderness and himself, which is the substance. If you will recall in the series entitled Moses the Deliverer, Moses was the type of Christ who was sent by God the Father to purchase and redeem his chosen people out of Egypt, which was the type of bondage, of sin, and death. It was God's plan to take his people to worship at the mount where he wanted to write his law in their hearts. Further, it was his plan to deliver his people to the promised land, which is the type of heaven. Along the way, as God's people wandered to their destination, God fed his people with manna from heaven which is the type of Christ. Like the manna, God instructs his people to gather and partake on a daily basis, because like manna, faith is moment-to-moment, day-to-day practice. 
one cannot rely on yesterday's faith because yesterday's faith, like the manna, breeds worms and will not sustain us. God's people were forced to trust God for tomorrow's provisions, just as we must trust Christ and his finished work on the cross, as well as his provision in the future. The manna, like every other type, was inferior to the substance. God's people ultimately died, despite eating the manna every day as commanded. Here, Jesus reminds us that the substance, Jesus, who is the real manna come down from heaven, will sustain us and give us eternal life. Jesus is that eternal life. In verse 52, the Jews get confused over Jesus' metaphor. Quote, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Unquote. This episode continues with verses 53 and through 58. Quote, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat this flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eat my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever." Unquote. The Jews, along with others, who were early on bystanders to Christianity, were very confused as to Jesus' statements. Many came to the conclusion that Jesus was advocating some form of cannibalism. This is due in part to a lack of discernment, but also to the fact that there were various cults who did believe that participating in the eating of flesh and the drinking of blood of various sacrifices to various pagan deities would facilitate the practitioner becoming part of or communing with the false god in question. In some rare cases, these sacrifices did include human sacrifice and the grisly act of cannibalism. However, Jesus was not referring to this. Jesus was simply linking the type and shadow of the manna in the wilderness with the substance which was and is his coming from heaven, his propitiatory sacrifice, and our faith in that completed work which imputes his righteousness to our account. Jesus' institution of communion and the breaking of bread as well as the drinking of the fruit of the vine, is a representative act demonstrating our faith, participation, obedience, 
and understanding of Jesus' propitiatory sacrifice. This episode then reaches its conclusion, beginning in verses 59 through 61. Quote, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Unquote. Up to this point, we have been imagining this ongoing conversation taking place on or near the landing place of Capernaum, having come across the Sea of Galilee. But here, we are informed that at some point, Jesus has brought this discussion into the synagogue itself. Jesus knows that not only is the crowd in disbelief, but many of his disciples are having a hard time with what Jesus is saying. So Jesus literally asks, Is this statement a stumbling block for you? Is this an impediment? This question from Jesus is as pertinent today as it was then. Paul rephrases the problem this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Quote, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Unquote. In verses 62 through 65, Jesus explains why. Quote, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him? And he said, Therefore I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my father. Unquote. In other words, Jesus says that there was and there is criteria which is necessary for people to actually understand and profit from what he says. In the end, understanding, discernment, new life, being born from above, being a child of God, is a sovereign act of God's grace to those whom God chooses. Unless God chooses and draws from the bondage of our sin nature, we will remain in the rebellion of our sin nature, and we will not understand the nature of sin and the flesh profit nothing. It is by God's indwelling Holy Spirit that we go from bondage, death, and sin to life eternal. For many listening to Jesus, it would require seeing the triumphal resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the Father for them to know that Jesus was victorious and had the keys of death, hell, and the grave.
More importantly, Jesus has the keys to eternal life. Verses 66 through 69 conclude our story. Quote, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Unquote. From verse 66 unto the present time, there have been those who appear to follow Christ closely. They have seen Jesus' miracles. They have heard his words. They have called him Lord. Yet, at some point, they turn away and follow him no more. The explanation is that they were never truly chosen by the Father. John later explains this phenomena in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Quote, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us, unquote. The reality of who, in fact, is truly chosen as an elect child of God is ultimately only known by God himself and is only demonstrated by the fruit that a faith-based relationship with God will bear. For those who can give thanks and praise that God called them to adoption to himself, we too can never leave because we too know all too well that there is nowhere and no one to whom have the words of eternal life other than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the I Am, Ego I May. This concludes this episode. Please join me for episode 7. If you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Trust in